don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. All right, guys, welcome back to another Crypto Economy Quick Read. Um, I got one today. I've actually had a hard time deciding which ones I want to get into today and for the rest of the week. Um, I think I'm going to hit another one by Aaron Von Wertham. He's got a really great one called The Genesis Files, and it's talking about eCash. And it's a great little history lesson about cypherpunks going back into the 90s. Um, So I want to hit that one uh, soon. But today, we're going to hit one on coincenter.org. And it's titled, Five Myths About Bitcoin's Energy Use. I think this is a really important topic because there's so much misinformation out there around um, Bitcoin's energy consumption. Uh, And more importantly, what it means kind of in the greater picture. Um, It's seen as like this massive negative and it really just, the the, the idea is just entirely overblown. Um, And this one's actually written by Peter Van Valkenburg. Uh, and he, you may recognize him, uh, if you look him up, uh, he was actually there at the hearings, um, if you watch those, um, I did, they were really good about the, the hearings on ICOs, as well as, uh, security tokens and that kind of thing, uh, and honestly, in, in my opinion, I think, uh, uh, Peter had the best arguments laid out in that, uh, hearing, uh, it's, it's rather long, but you can find a bunch of good snippets of the best stuff on YouTube if you're interested. Um, but so this article is written by him, uh, Peter von Valkenberg, and again, it was on coincenter.org, and we'll just go ahead and jump into it. This is five myths about Bitcoin's energy use. Bitcoin's recent incredible price increases have come along with equally sensational headlines about its energy usage. In this brief backgrounder, we are going to debunk five pernicious myths about Bitcoin's energy use that you may have run across while reading the news. Myth 1. Miners are spending tons of electricity performing a useless calculation. People who don't understand the core computer science breakthrough inherent in Bitcoin naturally assume that miners only do one thing, burn electricity to enrich themselves with new Bitcoins. These critics are mistaken, but it's a reasonable mistake to make because, quote, mining, the term itself, is a bit misleading. Search the original Bitcoin white paper from 2008, and you won't find the word miners used to describe the people we call miners today. The white paper makes a comparison to gold miners, and that's about it. The author generally referred to the Bitcoin network participants as nodes. As a name that stuck, miners first pops up in 2010 on an internet forum called Bitcoin Talk, and for a while it was used interchangeably with the term minting. When technologies don't have unified corporations or inventors working on them and branding them, Terms to describe them emerge organically from the community. It comes with the territory. Mining is a misleading term because it only tells half the story. Real-world miners leverage expensive capital to dig impressive holes into the earth 
to discover and extract marketable metals, minerals, and gems. They burn resources to get valuables. A Bitcoin miner does this too, no doubt. But they also do something else that is fundamental to Bitcoin's core computer science breakthrough. They validate data on a computer network running an open consensus mechanism. We have an in-depth explanation of how mining works, but let's talk for a minute about open consensus, which is inherently useful and has never been possible before. Bitcoin, aside from being an asset, is also a network of connected computers on the internet that together keep a record of all Bitcoin transactions between the participants. You join the network by running freely available software on an internet-connected machine, and when you join, your computer will let you send and receive payments in Bitcoin to and from other computers, and it will also help store and update a continually growing list of everyone's transactions, called the blockchain. People trust Bitcoin as a store of value and medium of exchange in part because everyone can see this blockchain and see all the historical transactions, including their own, going back to the launch of the network in 2009. Now what about this, quote, open consensus mechanism mentioned earlier? Consensus in this context just means agreement. We're just trying to get a bunch of computers to agree. Mechanisms for generating consensus between several computers have been around since the 1980s. Those old mechanisms would allow, for example, six data centers owned by IBM to stay in sync with each other, storing and updating some data that IBM cares about and wants redundantly stored on multiple machines. Bitcoin's network is also redundantly storing data, the transactions, across a bunch of machines, and it needs these machines to stay in consensus. Bitcoin's core computer science innovation was the invention of the world's first open consensus mechanism. Our IBM consensus example only allows a set number of computers, i.e. six data centers, to participate at a time, and only computers that IBM authorizes can join, kind of like an intranet. Bitcoin's consensus mechanism allows an unlimited number of computers to participate, and anyone can join, more like the internet. That's what is meant by an open consensus mechanism. This is also why people say that Bitcoin is decentralized and why it's accurate to call Bitcoin peer-to-peer -peer digital cash as compared with the centralized digital money created by a company like PayPal or Venmo that secures the payments data and decides who can add new payments data. Older closed consensus mechanisms stay in sync because identified participants take turns adding new data to the record, and they are secure because only identified participants are allowed to add data. If you have an unlimited number of unknown participants, how do you have them take turns? And how do you know they aren't committing fraud? This is where Bitcoin mining comes in. We have a longer post on the subject, but here are the highlights in bullet form. One. Miners are picked by lottery. Two, a winner is picked every 10 minutes by algorithm. Three, to be picked, you have to perform some costly and verifiable computing work. Lottery tickets have a non-trivial cost. And four, 
Miners who try to put invalid transactions into the blockchain will not be picked. This mechanism makes fraud non-viable because miners suffer a cost to even be eligible in the lottery, and they lose their eligibility if they try to submit invalid transactions. Your attack won't work, and you'll lose money in the process. To keep the lottery fair, the price of a ticket rises as people buy more of them. In other words, miners have to compete. So if a lot of people are willing to spend computing effort to join the consensus, then the cost of participation will rise as the computing work you need to perform becomes more and more difficult. More computations means more electricity, and that, after some adieu, is why Bitcoin's electricity usage has been going up. You might think this is all a bit of a Rube Goldberg machine. If you do, you're starting to understand Bitcoin. It is indeed complicated, but as of right now, it is the only mechanism in existence that allows a large set of unidentified computers to agree over shared data, and therefore the only way to have peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. The energy use is anything but useless. It is securing data about transactions worth hundreds of billions of dollars. Unlike the energy used by a gold miner, it goes directly to providing a public good, online peer-to-peer -peer payments infrastructure that anyone on earth with a smartphone and internet connection can use. Myth 2. Energy use scales with number of transactions. If Bitcoin ever scaled to global transaction volumes, it would boil the oceans. This is just plain wrong. As we've learned above, miner energy use moves up or down with the amount of competition between miners, not the number of transactions being validated. Digital signature validation uses a trivial amount of computing power. Your three-year-old laptop can verify a signature in a matter of milliseconds, and you'd be hard-pressed to find even a scrap of evidence of that work in your electricity bill. Why is there so much competition driving so much energy use? Economics. Bitcoins are expensive right now, and every 10 minutes, one miner will get 12.5 shiny new ones. This competition is healthy because it means that the effort spent securing the network scales automatically with the value of the transaction data on the blockchain. So the more value there is riding on the Bitcoin network, because individuals value it more as reflected in the price, the more resources will be devoted to its security. That makes for a noteworthy contrast with data secured by, say, Equifax or any other big data company, where effort spent securing data scales with a corporate management team's estimations of risks and fear of liability. One final thing about that competition, it may get less fierce as time goes on. The reward of new Bitcoins halves every four years until it goes effectively to zero. Miners will keep working because they can also collect fees that users of the network add to their transaction messages. But the total take-home payment for a winning miner will probably be less than it is today even if the price of a Bitcoin continues to rise. Smaller rewards will mean less computing power dedicated to winning and less electricity consumed. Myth 3 Credit card transactions are way cheaper and more energy efficient than Bitcoin transactions. This is comparing apples and oranges. A credit card transaction is not a settled payment. 
It is a payment authorization, merely the beginning of a convoluted dance between no fewer than five players. The cardholder, the card issuing bank, the card network, the merchant acquiring bank, and the merchant. Eventually, think days or even weeks, the authorized payment will be pulled through that network of players. It ends when you pay your credit card bill. But it certainly doesn't happen with a mere swipe or pin. In contrast, a Bitcoin transaction is settled the moment it hits the blockchain. But you should wait about an hour for good security. And it never travels through any clunky analog institutions along the way. The miner who put it in a block probably used a bunch of electricity. It's true. But that amount is substantially less than the energy it costs to keep no fewer than three Fortune 500 financial companies running at full steam for a few days. Myth 4. Bitcoin miners are and always will be polluters. Energy use is not bad in and of itself. It's greenhouse gases that are bad. But it's not a given that Bitcoin will, on net, worsen greenhouse gas emissions in the long run. In fact, if Bitcoin mining becomes the dominant driver of energy consumption on the planet, then that could be a good thing for the environment. Just as the consumer electronics revolution drove the massive computing efficiencies known as Moore's Law, the Bitcoin revolution could drive a similar explosion of innovation in clean, efficient energy. Aluminum smelting consumes about 3% of the entire global supply of energy, yet we don't read articles raising the alarm on unibody MacBook Pros like we see about Bitcoin. Smelting isn't often thought of as a problem because heavy industry drives electrical efficiency. Why? Because heavy industry is a big consumer, so they're always looking for the cheapest possible source of electricity. Heavy industry can generally be based anywhere, and electrical costs tend to be a large percentage of their total costs. Electricity is 40-45% to 45 of costs to chemicals manufacturing, like chlorine production, and a whopping 30-50% to 50 of costs to steel and aluminum smelting. That means that heavy industry will base itself where costs are lower, and that will tend to be wherever electricity is affordable because its production is more efficient. Demand drives supply, and thus rewards those who develop cheaper modes of electricity generation. Lately, that has roundly been a green affair. The cheapest electricity on the planet is now wind and solar energy. Geothermal and hydroelectric are also top contenders and don't have to deal with storage issues. However, electricity costs may not always be top of mind for your typical heavy industry proprietor. They may put up with expensive, dirty energy if other costs drive their decision-making. Industries also like to be where their customers are, where it is cheap to ship material inputs like metal, and where governments grant them subsidies in order to encourage industrial growth. But electricity costs matter even more to a Bitcoin miner than typical heavy industry. Electricity costs can be 30-70% to 70 of their total cost of operation. Also, Bitcoin miners don't need to worry about the geography of their customers or materials shipping routes. Bitcoins are digital. They have only two inputs, electricity and hardware, and network latency is trivial as compared with a truck full of steel. One miner moved an entire GPU farm across the United States because of cheap hydroelectric power in the Pacific Northwest, 
and in his words, quote, it's worth it. That's also why we see miners in Iceland or other places with excess capacity. Aside from beautiful vistas, you can find abundant geothermal and hydraulic power in the land of volcanoes and waterfalls. If Bitcoin mining really does begin to consume vast quantities of global electricity supply, it will, it follows, spur massive growth in efficient electricity production, i.e. the green energy revolution. Moore's Law was partially a story about incredible advances in material science, but it was also a story about incredible demand for computing that drove those advances and made semiconductor research and development profitable. If you want to see a Moore's Law-like revolution in energy, then you should be rooting for and not against Bitcoin. The fact is that the Bitcoin network right now is providing a $200,000 bounty every 10 minutes, the mining reward, to the person who can find the cheapest energy on the planet. Got cheap green power? Bitcoin could make building more of it well worth your time. Myth 5. Bitcoin mining won't become more efficient over time. It will get worse. We already learned that energy use will not increase alongside the number of Bitcoin transactions. As it turns out, however, there's a good chance the energy use stays constant or even decreases while the number of transactions skyrockets. Several efforts are underway to develop second-layer networks, or new open consensus mechanisms that could allow for thousands and even millions of transactions per second. These scaling solutions take various approaches. The Lightning Network and similar payment channel infrastructure aims to do batch settlement of several transactions by writing only two transactions to the blockchain itself. And it has automatic controls in place so you won't have to trust the honesty of the person doing the batch settlement on your behalf. Other developers are experimenting with new open consensus mechanisms that may enable massive scaling while simultaneously reducing energy usage. Recall that Bitcoin's consensus mechanism has a built-in lottery that miners are competing to win. Recall also that every lottery ticket has a cost measured in verifiable computations made. These computations are called a proof of work. And we often refer to Bitcoin's consensus mechanism as proof of work based. Ethereum developers, to take one example, are now experimenting with a proof of stake consensus mechanism called Casper. In a proof of stake consensus mechanism, miners or validators still compete with each other to win a lottery, but tickets are provably costly because the participants prove that they own or have a stake in some amount of the cryptocurrency secured by the blockchain. It might be more appropriate to call these consensus participants stakers than miners, but who knows which name will stick or if proof of stake will even be as secure and viable as proof of work. The one thing that we know for sure is that there is no shortage of innovative thinking out there, and the cryptocurrency revolution may turn out to be much greener than you'd think. And that will finish it up. Again, that was by Peter von Velkenberg. Um, I thought that was a really good article. Um, it hit all the, really all the good points. There's another, I think I mentioned it earlier, another article, um, or excuse me, a video uh, that I definitely recommend by Andreas Antonopoulos, which is a conversation 
about energy consumption in Bitcoin. Um, and it does an excellent job too, but I don't think I had found uh, a article that summed it up quite as succinctly as this one. Um, so I definitely encourage, if you have not listened, Peter von Velkenberg has a lot of different interviews. He's on podcasts pretty regularly. Um, I think he, he really seemed to blow up a lot since the uh, congressional hearings on ICOs and security tokens. Um, because, like I said, I think he made some really great arguments there. Um, and if you have the time and you want to just put it on in the background, I suggest listening to that because there's a lot of there's a lot of really important um, concepts being thrown around at, at those hearings, particularly if you want a decent understanding of how the some of the government politicians and bureaucrats are seeing this thing um, or this ecosystem. So I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I thought that was a really good summation of pretty much all those arguments. And he linked, said a couple of times uh, that they have another article about how mining works that goes into extensive detail. And just because he linked to that quite a bit, I'll actually put that in the post as well and link obviously to his other works and tag him on Twitter. So before we close, that was again, five myths about Bitcoin's energy use. And it was by Peter von Velkenberg on coincenter.org. Uh, with that, guys, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Medium, both at The Crypto Economy. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and share it with all your friends and everybody who wants to know more about Bitcoin. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow. This has been a Crypto Economy Quick Read. Take it easy, everybody.